Life moves quickly. Contemplative Tuesday podcast invites you to slow down, take a deep breath, contemplate the Word of God, and prayerfully reflect. I am your host, Lauren Becker, serving as Associate Dean for Spiritual Formation at Gordon College in Wenham, Massachusetts. In this season of Contemplative Tuesday podcast, I'll share reflections from my own journey with God. I come to Him broken, burdened, and grieving. He meets me as healer, redeemer, and comforter. He brings me out of the darkness and into the light, forms beauty from my brokenness, and will do the same in you. Join me, and together, we'll ask God to search us, guide us, and reveal himself to us. The profound truth and mystery is that as we gaze upon him, we will be made like him. Let's find ourselves in the God who makes all things new. Psalm 16, 6 The boundary lines have fallen for me in pleasant places. Surely I have a delightful inheritance. I caught sight of myself on the screen, one of many faces in the virtual grid of retreat attenders. I was invested in the content and truly listening to the facilitator. Yet, I continued to casually glance at my own reflection. Something about my appearance seemed off. Something was missing. I wore a solid, charcoal-colored button-down with my hair piled into a messy bun on the top of my head. This was not an A-game personal style moment for me. To be honest, it was a Saturday, and I had woken up late, scrambling to pull myself together well enough for a decent first impression among this newly formed cohort. When I looked in my bathroom mirror just before logging on, I mused, maybe I'll come off with the disheveled whimsy of an absent-minded professor. I spent the remaining minutes looking out the window as I brushed my teeth, avoiding the mirror. Seeing my on-screen self, I thought, if I don't figure out what is off with me today, I will be an absent-minded professor. I wanted my focus elsewhere, so I thought quick to fix it. Maybe it's my glasses. With the thin frames, I looked a bit minimalist, so I switched to a pair of oversized, thick-rimmed tortoiseshells and stole another glance. Nope, that wasn't it. I looked away, anywhere but at me, and I refocused on the speaker, only to lose focus again within minutes. This time, as I saw myself, I noticed how bare I seemed, from my chin to the first button of my shirt. That was it. I required a necklace. Trouble was, I don't often wear them, and these days I own only one. A precious, simple, and elegant necklace. Sized for a child, so it reads more like a choker. The gold chain is so delicate, it's barely visible and the blue-green topaz encased in a swirling oval frame is so small it nestles right into my jugular notch, and it chokes me 
To be clear, the necklace fits so lightly and unobtrusively, it's barely perceptible. There have been times I've tucked in for the night, forgetting it's still around my neck. It's a piece so natural, it's as though it's part of me. And when I wear it, I do so mindlessly. But when I pause to put it on, running it between my fingers and allowing my mind to wonder about it, I am overcome with sadness, choked with shame. My mother tells me of the original owner, a lovely, generous woman, characteristically merciful. She had two sons, and as a very young child, I played with the eldest, Jesse. I've lost his face in time, but I recall sandy blonde hair and that he was likely my first friend. His mother showed the necklace to mine. Perhaps it was very meaningful to her. A treasure. A family heirloom, though likely with value only in sentiment. A few years later, when our fathers graduated seminary and Jesse's mother and mine parted ways, the necklace became a gift. It was given to me, a blue-eyed December girl. Jessie's mother gently surrendered her dream to have a daughter of her own, and with it, the necklace. It's a beautiful story, only Jessie's mother did eventually become pregnant with a third child, a baby girl. When I was older and capable of caretaking, the necklace emerged from my mother's jewelry box. The story was told. The gift was handed to me, its rightful owner. I was deeply moved. Somehow I felt seen and honored. Until, over the years, the truth began to settle into my maturing awareness. I now secured the tiny clasp with insecurity. This was a stolen right. As the virtual retreat progressed, I turned off my camera for a few minutes, a successful attempt to refocus. I was present as possible for the hours that followed. The presenter then assigned a time of reflection, along with a break, and made this request. When you return, please bring back an object which reminds you of the love God has for you. Like the eye of Sauron, the blue topaz flew into the forefront of my mind's eye. But why? What I felt with the necklace in view was not the love of God. Decidedly, no. I felt like a fraud. I felt ashamed and unworthy. The recipient of an inheritance to which I had no claim. My hands held an undeserved gift, handed to me unreservedly from a merciful, loving mother, a gift which signified her poignant letting go. 
Yet, she had been blessed with the daughter she so desired. My thoughts shifted to this child, the true heir, now a woman. Did she know I have it? Did she have a daughter of her own? What would she say if I were to find her and return it? The thought of doing so felt fair and somber, a resigned acknowledgement of my fraudulence, confirmation and agreement that I am an outsider. The uninvited thoughts felt like an affront, and yet they had rushed in alongside the words, Reminder of God's love for you. A prayer emerged from within, a wordless desire for legitimacy and belonging, a longing I knew would be fulfilled as I brought it before God. Reflection. Know that God is present with you. Ask him to still your soul and make himself known to you. As you reflect, simply notice. Reserve judgment. Release yourself from the pressure of understanding why. Feel free to pause, allowing as much time as you need. In the deepness within you, is there a desire to belong? In your childhood, what seemed secure? What seemed insecure? How does it feel to be seen? Invite God to reveal himself as you notice.
Contemplation God sees you, knows you, and loves you. As you contemplate his word, ask that he would transform you. I'll read a passage of scripture, Ephesians 1, 3-10. And as I do, I pray the prayer over you we read in Ephesians 1, 18 and 19. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he has called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people, and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Ephesians 1, 3-10 Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in the heavenly realms with every spiritual blessing in Christ. For he chose us in him before the creation of the world to be holy and blameless in his sight. In love he predestined us for adoption to sonship through Jesus Christ, in accordance with his pleasure and will, to the praise of his glorious grace, which he has freely given us in the one he loves. In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins, in accordance with the riches of God's grace that he lavished on us. With all wisdom and understanding, He made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ to be put into effect when the times reach their fulfillment, to bring unity to all things in heaven and on earth under Christ. Thank you.
Benediction, Ephesians 3, 20 and 21. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. Amen.